was cute for that beat again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Collective Podcast. Uh, it's a podcast series uh, dedicated to spotlighting and telling the stories of Toronto artists, creatives, entrepreneurs, all that jazz. So, uh, we're here with Joel Rodney. What's up, um, Rodney Shop. <laughs> I um, basically like why we're doing this is because we're gonna like it's kind of to give people like a background of of like who you are, like what your band is, but but um, before we like dive into Rodney, I kind of want to dive into Rodney before Rodney, you know? So um, I know Rodney's, like, just because I've known you for, I don't know how long I've known you for, but like, yeah. I've known you for a minute, yeah. I know Rodney's not your, your first project, so uh, what's like the earliest creative project you... Uh, you could remember yourself to, even if it's like earlier even if it's not a project yeah. or, or, I don't know like earliest like creative endeavor I've had to explain my story um, a few times over in the last like few months because I'm meeting a lot of new people mm-hmm. and uh, I always have to kind of like take steps back and understand why I'm doing the things that I'm doing and where it started and I remember telling people that like I've been working in the industry for almost like 10 or 11 years now mm-hmm. um, and one of the first projects I worked on was uh, this clothing brand called Nomadic Infantry. Oh, I, I don't even know. I don't even know. Yeah, How old? I was probably in elementary. Yeah, you're in elementary school. Because I was about like 15 or 16 when it was happening. So like I had just picked up a skateboard and uh, I started like in, I introduced myself into like the whole streetwear and skate scene. And I had met these homies Andrew Cho and Liam Goslett, who owned a brand called Nomadic Infantry, and they're based out of Markham. It's a streetwear brand. They had this cool shirt with Mars Blackman on it. What year is this? This was, oh man, I don't even know. Maybe like, 17, probably 2007, maybe? Yeah, around there. And uh, it was the first time I, I was part of something that was small. Um, I was chopping their shirts out of a duffel bag in high school. Oh, so I would bring this duffel bag to high school and show them to all the homies. And, uh, you know, the response was okay, it was cool, like, people coming to me and they're like, oh, and this was when American Apparel was, like, getting American Apparel blank t-shirts was, like, a cool thing. Yeah, yeah. So they had all the American Apparel blanks, and it was, like, all the prints on them, it was, like, really good quality. They're chopping them, like, for, like, I think it was, like, 15 or 20 bucks, like, a shirt. And at that time, I thought that was a lot of money, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it's so funny, because I don't know if they're ever going to hear this, but, like, I still owe them money. But but the only reason I owe them is because they never asked for it. So I made, like, a few hundred bucks off of just like selling shirts out of my duffel bag and I still have stock at home like at my parents place and I bumped into them on random occasions recently so like 10 years have passed and I've seen them Andrew Cho is now an EDM DJ who's huge and Liam Gosselin became a Tumblr and uh, social media influencer. Um, like he was, he was one of the guys I looked up to when he was when he was like on Tumblr. It was before ASAP Rocky was a, a rapper, and ASAP Rocky was like this fly homie from like New York, wearing like Rick Owens and stuff. And I remember Gos- Goslet, uh, who his Tumblr was Gaz, it was like G A W S, which was flying backwards. He was he was telling about this stuff and being like, "Yo, this is the shit you guys should be on." And this was like years ago. Um, and uh, I've bumped into them on different occasions, and uh, I'm pretty sure they don't think about that money anymore. Yeah. But it's just interesting that, like, it was like a how to make it in Canada kind of thing, hustling out of a duffel bag, yeah. and like just pocketing money. Yeah, and that's crazy intentionally. Yeah. That's, the, that's the days, like, like, even like before Tumblr was popping, like, it's like kind of hard to to hear about, like, streamer or like people doing their own thing. Like, I feel like now it's like you hear it, you see it on Instagram, like, you. You usually pass by a sponsored ad or something, yeah. and it's like somebody doing their own thing. But back then, it's just like there was no, there was no Instagram, there was yeah. no social media. Uh, Facebook was just like, like was just becoming a thing. YouTube was starting. Yeah. And uh, this was like, it was word of mouth, and if you wore it and people asked you about it, that's how you. Yeah, knew. that's how it. And we were in one store. It was a store called Lounge, um, which then became I think it was called like One Fifty Five John Street, and it was right across Much Music. Oh. And it was this little store that did consignment SBs, like they sold like... Uh, like oh, those are SB and, days. Yeah, it was like SB days, that was yeah. when Goodfoot was around and yeah. we had our, our shit in there. And I remember when we gave it to this guy, the guy who owned the place was called Torian, or his name was Torian. And uh, I'm still friends with him today. And I, I remember giving him the stuff and then the next week he called us and he said, yeah, they're gone. Yeah. 
and I sold them at 40 instead of 20. So he's like, I'm going to give you guys some money on top, I need more. So we gave him another batch and we sold out again, sold out again. We kept selling out and we were just like, holy shit, what the fuck do we do? And I wasn't a business partner, I was just somebody who wanted to help, I just wanted to promote this company, right? Um, It's funny because Tordian, I know him still from nowadays and like he uh, he manages like a bunch of companies in downtown. And uh, he he will still come up to me at work and he'll come into the store and he'll be like, Yo, you remember Nomadic Industry? I was like, Yo, you already know that. I was like, You remember Lounge? And he's like, Yo, that was the spot. And we like we could banter about the, the like not the good old days, but yeah, like, yeah. the simpler time yeah, yeah, of when yeah. Street was like word of mouth and like double yeah. bag shit. Like it was it was cool. It was kind of an interesting time to have gone through that. And that's that was my introduction into. Um, not only taking ownership of something, but just like branding and, and uh, yeah, because you were doing mostly like promotion I was, yeah. and like like were you involved in like no no I was not involved at all yeah, in the design yeah. process. I just simply liked what. But that's did, like your first then, thing where you're actually part of it. Yeah, something like, that uh, it gave me a taste of something that I could do. I was like, these are two young homies who are the same age as me. One's like a BMX and skateboarder, and like they're like hustling shit out of like I said their bags, and it was it was a cool thing like. And so how old are you? How old are you? I was like 16 or 17. This is uh, Rodney. I mean, Joel is like... Yeah, this is like Joel. Like, you know, this like, is like the, Justin the hair, hair. Yeah. The hair. I got flippy hair. I, yeah, I was wearing I fitteds. Uh, I don't know. I had like oh, yeah, the jeans on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is this is like before I had met Elsie. Like before I was Oh my so, god. Yeah, this is before Elsie. Yeah. See, this is why I like doing podcasts because it's like I don't get to this until I have to like ask you this, yeah. you know? No, for so, sure. Like, so, so, uh, and then after that... Um, through with, with like that kind of introduction, I was always pretty savvy with programs, so I was always like a Photoshop kid, mm-hmm. and I had uh, joined a lot of different uh, sets of uh, high school. So I was in leadership, mm-hmm. I was in student council, I was in yearbook, I was in comtech, and anything that had to do with design, Involved. I was there. Yeah. And basically everything that all the student council wore for like three years of my being there, and everything the leadership team wore was everything I designed. Yeah. So I was able to design and make these stupid little graphics, and then I was the teacher would take me to the production house and tell, and I was able to interact with these gentlemen who like had these pretty screen printing houses. and it was cool. Like as a young guy, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like I want to do this as like a living. And, and then it kind of just like died out and just went away. Yeah. And uh, I got more into like uh, like film, film. cinematography. Poon films. Poon films. Poon films Poon was uh, another portion of my creative uh, kind of spree. Is that still in high school? That was, yeah, during high school and then going into you know, yeah, like college. Yeah, transition. It was that transition period. And I started a channel called Poon Films on YouTube. <laughs> and uh, we still just, up? Yeah, it's still up. Yeah, you can still watch the videos. I just made, uh, made skate videos. Uh, with the homies at the skate park, my local skate park, and we go downtown and make little videos here and there, and it was uh, it was just interesting editing, using editing programs, and I really was really into music at the time, and just being able to mold all these different elements of like going out and filming and getting all these genuine interactions from your friends, and then putting it together with music and overlaying that, and then making this final piece, which was like this bite-sized version of this amazing time you had yeah. that day or that week yeah. or like that month, you know what I mean? And uh, that, that went on for a while. I was doing yeah. films for quite a bit, and that's probably when I had met you. Yeah. You were in one of the videos, was, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like my first introdu- introduction to you, like going to the skate park. Like you were filming something. I was trying, like, always, like, the heel flip the set. Or, like, I think I, no, I think the first time was, like, just, like, an Ollie to set. Like, a, or something. It, was, like, it wasn't even, like, that much. Like, I do remember specifically putting your name in the credits, I think, sure, at one point, sure, sure, because I knew yeah. you were in the video. Yeah. And uh, the skate, the skate community, and uh, using like little three chip cameras or HD cameras to mm-hmm. make videos was such an interesting world. It was like small, but even the names that are in the industry today in Toronto are people who I used to film with before. Yeah. And it's so interesting to see that it, the pr- progression of skateboarding is very, uh, it's very, it's like a cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it was 20 years ago or if it's 20 years from now, it's pretty much the same. It's like you all start with your little homies. One guy always has a camera, mm-hmm. you film, maybe the camera guy becomes this famous like cinematographer, yeah. and that has happened now. Like, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Jordan. There's Jordan Moss, who's the yeah, big yeah. really well. And Jordan yeah. Moss, he started at filming for like Element, started filming for like DC, and now because he's affiliated with a bunch of homies who are professional skateboarders now, 
he gets to fuck with them and gets paychecks through skateboarding. Yeah. Well, um, he's doing really well, yeah. So you get that, and then you get the few homies in each group that kind of like continue with it, and they get really good, and then they become professional, or like in the scene, and then you get some of the homies who hold back, but then they become creative individuals. And I have friends who become painters and became photographers, and I'm like, wow, it's like, Skateboarding is like a, it's like a foundation for creativeness. Yeah, what, that's what I see too. I see all the, the sport yeah. itself is a very creative sport. Yeah. You, you end up trying to figure out how to do a trick, but you can't just follow instructions. You can't just put the pasta into the water and boil it, mm. and then it always turns out the same. Yes. You have to figure out like all these little intricacies of how your body will communicate with this thing and, and do it yourself in your own way. Yeah, in your own way. So interesting. And I think that thought process, not a lot of skateboarders think about it this deeply, but it translates into other things. Yeah. That's why you see so many of them start like, I don't know, like, I know Mikey Taylor does some like, like beer stuff. He's totally a businessman. He's yeah. a businessman. Yeah. And like, I don't know, there's so much stuff that translates into other stuff later on in life that right. you don't realize it did. No. But yeah. if you look back on if you look it, back on it you'll, some yeah. of the roots are from some of the things you loved when you were a kid. Let's say if you just in another world where you, you didn't discover skateboarding mm. but like you were filming like do you think you'd still film that like what, what would that what would that Joel film like uh, I was doing, I, I'm, at the end of the day, I, I understood one thing after college, because I went to school for film and broadcasting, was I'm, I'm a documentary filmmaker. Mm. I like the idea of, like, um, capturing the most genuine moments out of something. Mm. So I'm, I always, I like the idea of being the fly on the wall, where when I go into an environment with a camera, because I did a lot of documentary work, I would pull out the big camera for the first, like, hour, and like be in people's faces because the idea was the psychology behind it was introduce the camera to the whole room and then when they know that there's a camera around that's when they start becoming real mm. when they start realizing that okay I know that there's a camera around I don't have to be oh, like oh yeah, no there's a camera yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like I basically film every single person's face and make them comfortable with the idea that this camera's going to be in the room yeah. and uh, I think I just like the idea of, of capturing these most genuine moments and I don't know what it would be. It's like a, f a subject matter, anything creative has always been um, interesting to me. Like, I was always interested in dance and music. And if it wasn't for skateboarding, I probably would be trying to indulge into those fields. Um, I did a documentary about a graffiti artist at one point, and that was super interesting. Uh, the more street culture kind of thing. Um, but it's a hard question to answer. <laughs> no, that's okay. Yeah. Um, so, Poon Films, and then. I remember uh, you had, I think this is when you were in college, like, it's a shoebox. Uh. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> so, yeah. so in college, um, we had to create, well, we didn't have to, but I wanted to create a project during my time in college so that I could see something develop. I was under, I was working under a YouTube filmmaker who was working under some, my boss basically would get flown out to the States and he would film things with this person mm. and come back. And he was like, okay, this is my project. What do you want to do with your life? And I was like, well, I'm into sneakers and skateboarding and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, well, do something with it. So Wait, so were you like, was that like an official like apprenticeship or like what was that? Yeah, this was my internship. In oh, internship. Yeah. Okay. So during this process, I was, uh, I basically was like, oh, well, you're, you're a YouTube um, veteran. I'm going to use your knowledge and try to grow my thing. So I started, collect I got all my sneakers and I would just make these like, I don't know, like, intricate kind of like videos and of detailed shots of these shoes uh, mixed with like music, yeah. So the music was actually, uh, what do you call this, original music from my friend, uh, my homie uh, Arthur and Theo who, wow, I'm like drawing all these connections. Anyways, the music was produced by a bunch of homies who my brother managed. My brother managed a, a punk band. <laughs> they were called Satellites. And uh, they also produce like hip hop music on the side, and I use their hip hop stuff to curate my shoebox porno. And then I shot these videos, these shoebox porno videos, in the in the basement of East City Skate Shop. Oh what? Yeah. That was the basement of East City. I shot them in the in the basement of East City Skate Shop. He has a, he had a studio set up and lights, and I just would bring my camera and my shoes. That's when I drove a lot, and I would just park in his basement for like two hours and just get a bunch of footage and then go home and edit it. Um, it was kind of nuts, like the, the things that I was doing and I realize now that I discredit myself all the time of, I was doing a lot of creative things, Yeah. but at the time it was just something that I just knew, I just yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't think anything of it, I was like this is just something I like to do and now I think back on it I was like wow that's a lot of work, like, 
What year is it? Just so good people like that. Uh, this was probably like 2011, 2012. Yeah. yeah, I would say around there. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's like, that's not early, early YouTube, but that's still early YouTube. Like, it's like not now YouTube. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. It was, yeah, it was still earlier on in Google money, but uh, Google had already um, purchased YouTube. Like, it was doing really well with it. Yeah, there was a lot of money in that at the time. Uh, but yeah, shoebox porn, yeah, I totally forgot about that, but that was definitely a creative project I did with my filmmaking and my, my passion. So basically, I was fusing all, I was fusing all my passions. Yeah. My passions with streetwear and sneakers and skateboarding, filmmaking, music, all of it, I was smashing into one because it it's all I knew. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I did that for a while and kind of fell off because it's kind of, uh, YouTube is a very uh, hard mm. um, algorithm to figure out, mm. especially by yourself and without money. Mm. Like I was doing this for free and I was doing it on my own time. Yeah. It took a lot of uh, effort and a lot of uh, energy to to keep Constantly, producing yeah, on time. Yeah. Be, like YouTube and a lot of social media is all about consistency. Yeah. If you don't have consistency or if you fall off, you, you people forget about you. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think I did like a dozen videos in the beginning. Yeah. It's like, you know, that's like a few months. Yeah. That was a good run, man. Yeah, it was a good, was a good run. run. I remember it. Yeah, I remember it. It stuck with me. It. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing those and being like, this is something good. Like, it was good quality and it was like, because obviously you're shooting it in the studio and yeah. It was cool. I was excited to be able to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then, yeah. What was. Uh, from Shoebox Porno, that slowed down. I graduated. Um, Did we miss anything in between? There might be like little stuff about it. Not really. Like I think like there was developments in like for my filmmaking when I was shooting with like a little HD camera, at, like skateboarding. Okay. Um, I had to do a lot of long lens shots uh, because I didn't have a fisheye yet, so I would shoot long yeah. lens. And I developed a style that a lot of skateboard filmmakers weren't using at the time, which was like very cinematic. I used Set a tripod, I steadied everything, and I directed things in a way where, you know, it was still the skater doing whatever they needed to do, but I was like, yo, I need other shots, I need to do B-roll, so you need to ride past the camera in this way, and mm. I'm gonna pan this way while you're, while you're coming by. And, um, that kind of like, you'll see, if you search up Poon Films on YouTube, you can see the, the progression of editing style and film, film mm. filmmaking. And, uh, I slowly like upgraded to like a DSLR, which had more capabilities of uh, it had. You can use focal length, like, uh, and and you you can change your depth, the depth of field. So I was using uh, focus rings, which was like amazing. Um, but it was it was cool. Ended up uh, ended up developing uh, on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Just from watching YouTube videos and like, watching other people make uh, make these. Uh, cool segments and just kind of developed and gathered information and kept yeah. growing and at the time like I said I didn't know what I was doing yeah, I just yeah, yeah. knew I wanted to get better at something and I yeah, kept yeah. doing it and getting better and doing it and getting better and then I got bored yeah I got bored <laughs> that's what happens it happens you know you, you reach uh, you reach a point where you're like I don't need this anymore yeah. and that happened with filmmaking but it luckily I, I still took I went to school and I went to college for film and broadcasting and I, it was it was some of the most amazing years of my life it was very interesting for self-development and to navigate a school environment of adults. Mm. That was really interesting. Um, but basically, like, it is a long story short because there hasn't been really anything crazy that happened in college. Like, we we did, like, a black and white film, uh, a 16 mil, and uh, we won awards for that, which is really cool. And I was, I, I was a director, or the DOP, sorry. I was a DOP of this project, and we won awards. And then after that, I think like a lot of people knew that my, my, my career was going to be promising. They knew that I was going somewhere with it. Yeah. And I, when I graduated college, I just stopped. Yeah. <laughs> just stopped creating with film. I just was not into it. And I got a job at Adrift. Oh, wow. So I... That was yeah, the next... That was the next I feel like these are chapters and I feel like I'm like... Yeah. You know, I'm reading. <laughs> and this is just the creative side. You don't even yeah, know yeah, about yeah. my romantic side. And yeah, you don't yeah, know yeah, about yeah. Like my, my career side. You know yeah, that's I mean? crazy. I ended up at a drift, which was like one of my dream jobs. Like growing up in the skate industry, it's like you want to work. I feel at like it's any shop. like Toronto skateboarder like growing up. Yeah. It's just like damn. Yeah. It's like the, almost the end goal. Like if you want to be in the skate industry, you're either in the industry as like a professional skateboarder or you work for a brand. Uh, I just happened to work at one of my favorite skate shops at the time. Yeah. So I was there um, for a while. I was there for five years, and I helped them develop their social media platform. I helped them develop their website. I was anything to do with um, uh, online media assets. I was in, I was responsible for whether it was the blog or the videos or the set with the photography. Yeah. Um, pretty much anything you saw that was digital was yeah. me for the for yeah. the, like, the full five years. Yeah. Um, and I then was able to help them with private label, and I was making clothes with them. 
but through that process, like, I kind of understood that I still wanted to do this for myself. Why did I not do this earlier in my life? Why did I go into filmmaking? Um, but I was like, well, it's not too late to start. So this is where Rodney starts. And Rodney was a project. It was never a brand. I never started something and been like, I want to be a company. I want to be like 10 deep or the hundreds. And I want to mm. get into these stores. And that was never like that. Mm. It started off with a birthday party. Birthday party. So I threw birthday parties in the base or at a drift after hours. Oh, birthday party. Yeah. Birthday party. So after after hours at a drift um, in October for two for three years straight, I think I did birthday parties where we closed off all the windows, we blocked it out. We uh, the people who were invited had to go into the back alleyway. We took out all the clothes. We had a DJ. We had speakers and everything, and we threw parties at a drift. Um, it was a joint party between me and the girl that I was seeing at the time, so we had like mul like lots of people come. Yeah. But the first year, I was so skeptical because when you invite somebody to an event, especially your event, you don't like you don't want to expect people to come. It's because yeah. it, it would hurt if they don't. Mm. So I expected nobody to come. I was like, whatever. I'm just gonna do this thing. We're gonna have a good time. There's like drinks and there's alcohol. I mean, there's uh, music, mm. and uh, you know, like a half an hour passes and you know, there's like 30 people in there. I was like, okay, this is yeah. cool. This, this, this is fine. Yeah, this, you know? this is yeah. I'm good with this. I'm good with this. And and the list was long. You know, I was just inviting everybody that I that I had bumped into and I, yeah. that I had enjoyed the company. And you know, uh, an hour later, there was there was like 100 people. I was like, oh my god, this is a lot of people. And, uh, you know, groups would come and go, but, you know, we, we, we packed that place. Mm. It, was, it was packed. It was alcohol, it was beer pong happening, it yeah. was having fun dancing, drinking. Yeah. And break then, dancing uh, competitions. Break dancing competitions. Um, and then uh, Back Alley was also full, too. Oh, yeah. We were smoking out there. And, uh, you know, so it's like two parties happening at once, and it was just nice to see all these people come and support me. Mm. It doesn't matter if it was my birthday. I, I invited them to something, and they came, and they wanted to be there for me. So um, at the, after we cleaned up, and about a week later, I was like, how do I thank everybody? It's like I can send a mass message and be like, everybody on Instagram, like, thank you so much. Like, it means so much that you guys would all come out. And I wanted to do that, but I was like, how do I give them more? And I was like, I'll give them a piece of my mind, and I'll design something. So I designed this t-shirt. It's a black t-shirt with a Rodney logo. Tour logo? Sorry? Is this the tour? This is the tour logo, the original logo. And uh, it was when uh, Yeezy was out. So my tour logo was to mimic like a tour t-shirt, like, like, like the Yeezus merch, um, before the, the tour actually happened. And uh, so I made the Rodney logo, and uh, the reason I did it was because I was like, what's something that's really like catchy, but like not a lot of people think of? And my middle name is Rodney. And it's a name that you'll never really meet anybody under the age of like 50 who's named Rodney. It's, it's like a dated name. Uh, and it's, uh, I, I, I didn't like it at first when I was like growing up. But like after making the shirt, I was like, yo, this is actually a sick yeah, name. It's like it's so catchy. <laughs> yeah. So I made these shirts. I made about like, you know, I think it was like 60 or 80 of them. Um, I made like a list. I didn't have a lot of money. I was like yeah, spending yeah, yeah. money. Yeah, yeah. So I made these shirts. I got them. And uh, I remember being so excited. And I wrote each individual's name on the tag. Every tag, I wrote their name. And I said, thank you. And I put a little heart on that kind of stuff. And I slowly met up with people. People come to the shop, give them a shirt. So a few weeks pass by and everybody by this time has their shirts and they're sending me Snapchats and they're sending me Instagram photos of them wearing it and everybody's like, yo, people are asking about it. like what they want to know what it is and I don't know what to tell them. Like I told them that my friend gave it to me and yeah. I don't know what it is, it's not a brand. And I was like, oh sick, people like my stuff. They like what I designed. Yeah. So this is like, no no idea for a brand, no nothing. Like, no, this just, is straight up like it was a thank you letter. It was yeah, like, thank, uh, yeah, thank you letter. Uh, I want, I know, yeah, I wear this. Like if you want to wear it, you wear it. And I gave it to people saying, if you want to use it at home, use it at home. If you want to use it as a dirty rag, use it as a dirty rag. I just wanted to give you something of mine <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. for coming out to yeah, support yeah, yeah. me. And I, I made the shirt, gave it to everybody, and a few weeks later people are telling me they're raving about it, people are asking them on the street what it is what it is. And I was like, oh shit, I could should do another collection. Mm -hmm. Around the time of trying to design a new collection. Um, one of my friends who I knew from the shop came up to me and was like, hey, do you like, do you like enamel pins? I was like, I like pins, pins are cool. Yeah. He's like, okay, take this email and email them your designs, pay them, and just trust me. And I was like, dude, I'm gonna send like a hundred something bucks to this random person in China? And he's like, yeah, but trust me, like this is my whole business. And this is a, uh, this homie, his name is uh, Norman. Norman owns a brand called Spellcaster, and he oh, just believed in me and just gave me this link. And uh, I, I see his brand, and his brand is pretty well off. Like, he's yeah. doing well with anything that he's touched, all of his sub-brands, his zines. Yeah. So I trusted him. He's just a nice guy, and I kind of, like, did this. Yeah. I sent two designs. I sent the eye from Naruto. It's the Renegon and mm. the, the Sharingan. Mm. And I sent, this, sent these designs. I paid 
and then about two weeks later, it shows up on my door, and it was like I was like I was like a like, kid oh, at Christmas. Shit. Opened it up, I was like, oh my god, these are so cool. Shit, that wasn't a random email. It wasn't no. a random email. Yeah, it was. I, I it you were came actually through. Yeah, it's product came through and it looked amazing. That's exactly what I wanted. Yes. And around that time, I forgot how it actually happened because my memory is not the best. Yeah. Um, but uh, Gabriel, Gabriel Ting, he's a homie of mine. He was doing a pop up show with two other artists, and he was kind enough to invite me. And he's like, I want you to be a part of this. I know you have this thing. You can just like have this little corner and sell whatever you want. So I got the pins. I started packaging them. And uh, a couple of weeks later, I'm supposed to show up at the show. And it was so organic. I was like, how am I going to sell these pins? Well, people have these backings for pins. How do I make these? I don't have money. So I bought black cardstock from like uh, a Curry's or something and bought like a gold marker. Oh, I remember those. I, I tagged on those. Those first batch. Yeah, the first batch. Oh, those are rare. Yeah, they're, they're pretty rare. My mom still has them. I look at it and I'm like, oh, sick. You still have that. <laughs> well, I had the back, black cardstock and I, I drew all over it, tagged it with whatever I thought was cool. I wrote like Rodney and I wrote like Gigi Well Played and like all these like nerdy and weedy things. Yeah, yeah. And then I cut them up into like basically business card shapes yeah. and I just punched them in and brought that with me. And that night I almost sold up. <laughs> and it was a lot of units. And I was, I remember, I still have the video on my Instagram of the recap, and I was so over the moon of like the response of people coming in. And these are people now who are not just people who are my friends who I invite to my birthday, it's people outside of that. Yeah. Who just saw on Instagram and they're like, oh yeah, like I saw you doing this thing, so I came. And some of these people are still shopping with me today. Yeah. And I still remember them coming in that first day and being like, yo, I saw your thing. Oh, this is what it is. This is cool. I want this. And they bought it. And uh, it's so overwhelming that feeling that that, that somebody purchasing your work, mm-hmm. um, despite me doing like parodies of things that I like, yeah, it's still cool. like my production. Yeah, yeah. I did the work to do to get yeah. it out into the world, and I put my idea out and manifested yeah. it. Yeah. So you know, it's a successful event, and just uh, slowly after that, I don't know what it is. I can't account it for luck. I think some of my past lives have like done a lot of karma cleansing mm-hmm. because. Opportunities just came out. Uh, Norman approached me, the guy who gave me the link for the pins, and he said, Yeah, I'm doing this big event. I want you to be part of it. And it was like me and five other vendors. Mm-hmm. And we threw a party on Spadina at Let's Be Frank, which is like this hot dog joint. And it turned out to be so lit that we had to push the tables aside and it became like a huge dance floor where at the end of the night people were swinging off the rafters. And we're like, yo, do you know those guys? And they're like, they don't know those guys. And like, okay, but that's sick. And we're like, yo, we're never going to get invited back. This yeah. Is like, we should have this venue spot. So we finished up the night, we all packed up, and then uh, Norman's like, whatever, like, we'll just like, we paid and, uh, you know, it's chill. Yeah. They called Norman the next day and said, we want you back. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we're like, yo, we just like destroyed yeah. that place and then we yeah, people back. swinging off because people were coming. There was like, we packed that place so Nuts. much that people couldn't get in anymore. And uh, you know, after that, the ball kept rolling, event after event. And I remember you, uh, uh, Prior Shop, was mm-hmm. doing some events, and I would go to these things and be like, oh shit, like other people are doing this too. Yeah. How do I keep doing this with other people? Yeah. And then I had my first solo pop up shop where I invited people to MySpace, and it was. Uh, I did a solo pop-up shop in Kensington at a space called 187, which was a couple of people that I know were running it, and they offered it to me to, at a good price, like a really reasonable price to showcase my stuff. Um, so I had this idea to do this pop-up. This is post-trip. This is post-trip, but I had this idea to do this pop-up for a while, and what, I, what had happened was, um, there was a bunch of things that happened in my life which shifted my perspective. And basically, I had left the country and went to Japan, just on a whim. And I actually, bought the ticket. I actually remember, and I still have the photo on my, my phone, of Roy FaceTiming me. And I, th- I don't remember what started the conversation. I think we were just, you were just asking about my day or something. We were just, yeah. we were talking about something. It might have been yeah, business, yeah. or might have been whatever. Yeah. But I was like, oh, Roy, I want to go on a trip. And I think you guys were talking about your trip, too. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, why don't you just buy a ticket? And I was like, yeah, that's all they have to do, right? <laughs> so I plugged in my credit card and bought a ticket for five weeks in Japan. And, uh, you know, I screenshot that and remember that momentous mo- that moment of, uh, of just being so excited and doing something on my own. Yeah. Screenshot that. And then, uh, I don't know, a couple months later, I'm in Japan. And I was in Japan for five weeks. Uh, super inspiring. That whole trip is like a is like a novel in itself. Like every single thing that I did 
was just story and like the richness of these stories are hard to explain. Yeah. Uh, like you had to have been there. But people who followed me on Instagram and watched my were stories a thing at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Instagram stories, I I was very adamant about uploading stories daily. And they could follow my whole trip, basically. But it wasn't like a vlog. It was like my way of seeing the world, which is like my photography. I like and that too, because it was definitely like your own style. Like you, you have your own style to it too. Just like you were saying like before, like shooting the long lens for skateboarding. It's like you know, like developing this style of capturing, and of like full circle, like capturing your life like as it is, or like how you see things. Exactly. Yeah. I and I think it's funny. It's funny you say that because like I never really thought about it, but. Um, when I do something, I mimic something that I like, mm. and then I find my voice, mm. and then I portray my voice, and then people recognize it. Mm. So like, from skateboarding, it was all that YouTube stuff, but then with my stories on my Instagram, I was posting these photos of the way I see the world, and people are coming to me, and they're like, I've never seen this before. And I'm like, but I copied somebody. Mm. But you, I guess because you hadn't seen it from my source, you think it's me. And this is my voice now. This is how I communicate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I communicate through these photos and these textures and these saturated colors. Uh, and I don't know, it was cool to identify myself through that. But, you know, for the whole trip, I basically had a film camera and I was just taking photos just for the sake of taking photos. Being inspired by basically everything in Japan, because Japan's like one of the most inspiring places in the world. Every corner. Every corner. And uh, I came back and I designed the whole collection and had the pop up. And uh, the shit was, was nuts. It just blew my mind. It, but basically, I have to say something. In Japan, you never know if you're going to have friends in another country, but Roy and all of them showed up <laughs> in, a, in a whole other country and met up with me. And that was uh, nuts. That's, that's definitely like, something to remember for it was all nice. of life. You know? So I go to, uh, was it Diver City? Odaiba. Odaiba. So Odaiba is, is Diver City, where uh, it's most famous for having like big malls and like, uh, an upper skate park, but it's most famous for this giant Gundam. They have a Gundam, a life-size Gundam, one-to-one -one scale. And uh, we went there, and I remember Roy was just messaging me because uh, we both had pocket Wi-Fi's, and he's like, okay, we're going to be here at this time, we're this time. So I show up. And I was like, okay, second, we're gonna meet up with Roy and Darren and uh, and Danny and uh, Ian. And then Darren, Danny, and Ian show up. And I'm like, where the fuck's Roy? And they're like, well, we thought we was with you. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, isn't he in contact with you? He said you were gonna be here and Joel was gonna be there. And I was like, yeah, but I thought you guys were all gonna come together. And he's like, no, I think Roy's with somebody else. And I was like, what the fuck? So Roy was at a whole different place with this girl. I think you were with a girl or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. with a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he shows up with his skateboard, and I'm like, yo, that's a G move, man, that was sick. So we all meet up, and we end up renting bikes. Uh, Roy and I had our skateboards, so we were just basically biking and skating all around. Yo, the bikes city. were good. They, they were sick, yo, they were, they were electric, they, were they, they had their power. And we had a whole night of just uh, chilling, and just exploring this, like, tiny city inside of a city. Yeah. It was, it was wicked. We were no, that was hills. crazy because it's like nobody was out no. and we were just exploring it. At, oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't, I'm not even there. taking it in because yeah. I, I haven't revisited that in like a minute. It was beautiful, man. And uh, you know, we got our, some skate clips there. We bombed this like uh, <laughs> kind of staircase. There's a sick photo that happened to be, I don't know if it was at the prior shop pop-up, but uh, there's a photo that so was on, the, so it's on the internet yeah, yeah, yeah. of like us so. bombing the staircase, yeah, yeah. which is sick. And then Roy did the most fucking epic thing. And I, I don't know what to call it. It was like an electrical box, but it was like slanted. Or I don't it even like know. A, was it was it a staircase? Part of a staircase? I don't know. I don't even know. It was a it was a slanted concrete thing or marble yeah. thing. And he like goes up, runs to the top, and like puts his board down and drops in. And he bails, I think, a couple times, but didn't get hurt. So he goes back up. And by this time, there's like three or four other groups of people watching us. So he does like, it, bombs it. Everybody's clapping. He like because he like <laughs> fucking nails it. And then I think he like has so much momentum that he runs up these stairs that are in front of him and bumps into a couple, and the couple drops their phone. Yeah, like I knocked like, the oh, phone out of her hand. I'm like, shit. He's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he like picks it up. And she's like, no, 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 it's okay. And the boyfriend's like, oh, it's so cool, so cool. I'm so excited for you. People there are too good. The sickest thing I think I've ever. I was one of the sickest things I experienced in Japan as like as like meeting up with people from where I'm from in a in different another. country. It doesn't, feel real. It, it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel real. It sounds like I'm literally made up the story. Yeah, it doesn't feel real. But it, it, it's only real because both of you and I can recite yeah, the story. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. But it's an interesting thing. Well, fast forward to September. Uh, 
two years ago, I think. I think it was like, was it 2017? No. Was it last year? Yeah, last year. Oh shit, it wasn't that long ago. It hasn't been a year yet. No. So, less than a year ago, I in September, I had a pop-up, my solo pop-up, where I had two other brands with me. It was Parlor 23, uh, owned by Jaron Smith, who's one of the reasons why I think in the way I do as a business person. He basically helped raise me as a kid in skateboarding. He was the one to drive me around and show me all the spots, and I introduced me to all the industry people. He actually introduced me to the team at Adrift when I was like 16 or 17, when I was like really young. Um, he owns Parlor 23, which is just a shoe consignment store, and he has like his own private label, so I put that into my shop. And then Mind Over Matter was a friend that I met who worked on the same block as me at Adrift. And uh, he worked at Mind's Eye, which is like this toy store. It's a toy store graffiti shop, yeah. and he has his own brand, so I got that in there too. And basically the pop-up was so impromptu. Like I knew I was doing it, but I was so ill-prepared. And I was so ill-prepared that I remember asking Roy, being like, yo Roy, do you have hangers? And uh, yeah. oh, shit, I do you have hangers and, and, and fucking racks? And he's like, yeah, I got you. So I steamer. got my dad to drive me there and picked up a steamer, picked up all the stuff, brought it over to the pop-up. And you know, I'm there setting up with some homies. And I'm realizing that my, my dreams are coming to life. This is me portraying everything that has, up until that date, everything that I was was coming out as one. This is my first time I get to express myself as an artist, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I had all my t-shirts all hung up and all my photos from Japan. I had this whole like photo essay basically going on. And uh, those two days were so rewarding but so exhausting. Mm -hmm. I, I, was, I didn't think far enough to be like, I need help. I had one person help me in the first few hours of every day, of both days, but I basically ran the whole thing by myself. And I didn't know it was going to be as popular as it was, so there was lineups. People waiting in the sun, in the, the dead heat, being like, trying to get in and trying to like, get stuff, but they couldn't because I was the only person helping people. Yeah. So basically I'm at the cash list the whole day, just like, trying to talk to people and trying to connect with these people, but yeah. I have to get them in and out as quicker as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they like, you know. Yeah. And you still, you want to be able to take it in, but if you're the only guy, yeah. yeah. So it's so frustrating, yeah, it's such a double-edged sword, because it was it's rewarding, so and, and, and it was popular, and it's good, and I made lots of money, but like, I couldn't enjoy the experience as much as I wanted to. And uh, yeah, that kind of set the tone for Rodney becoming what people know as Rodney as a brand. It, it had a full collection of shirts, it had a full collection of pins, it had a full collection of other things that I was selling from Japan. Prince. Yeah, prints and uh, all my photos and all my silk prints. It was nuts. Yeah, it was crazy. And then now, uh, people ask me like what I've been doing in the past year since that pop-up and honestly, I haven't been producing shit. Like, yeah. I honestly took a, long, a really long hiatus just on my own time. And started playing on my friends. No, it's okay. actually playing on my friends. How are you gonna do that? It's a banger. The hell, man. Like during the last podcast, like you could hear like sirens on the street and like shit, and we're like, it's good. It adds like, you know, it, it gives the audience a feel for the what environment. This is my real environment. This yeah, exactly. Experience. It's real. It's real. Yeah. He was working too. He was working. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah. yeah he was talking while he's Yeah, he's like, hey guys, welcome. <laughs> Okay, but um, well, yeah, yeah. So I've been kind of like on a hiatus for a bit, and I produced some soap prints for some of these these three photos that I took. Uh, one of them speaks to me a lot because I took it while I was really high on them. The amazing. I'm sorry. Die? No, no. The photo of a, it was basically a tree. Oh, the tree in the water. Yeah, in the water when the when the bait when the harbor front was overflowing with water because the city was being overflowed. Was really high enough. That was like. I was wondering where that went because I was like, oh, Japan is that like where did it, where was it captured? Because like this is really. A it was like five or six a.m. and I was walking home from like a rave, and then I was walking along the harbor front and I thought this looks so cool and I took my front camera to the photo and I produced it and uh, I've only produced it because my one of my best friends TK, who's an artist, she was having her own her own solo pop up and mm -hmm. she's like, I'm only gonna do this if you're a brand solo. Which I'm so honored, but she's like, I, I want you to be a part of it, and I want, you to sh I want to share this with you, this first experience. Mm -hmm. So her first solo, I partnered with her, and I, I didn't have anything really produced, except for these photos. And they just worked. They were just like these three yeah. silk prints, and it's one of my favorite photos of the world that she took of me on a phone camera. Uh, but anyways, yeah, so uh, I have... I have 
things that I like in my life, which is nostalgia. So it's like, whether it's like skateboarding or video games or anime, anything I grew up on. And I think I just outlived that. Mm. So Rodney, if you look at it, it's very much nostalgic based. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm moving into a new creative state where I'm trying to actually portray a message to people. I've been reading a lot. And I, I think Roy and I talked about this often, yeah. and the, the, the novels and the books that we read are very much about like spiritual journeys or mm -hmm. being a better person for yourself and for your environment. And uh, you'll see at the collective event that like, I, I think I'm only releasing one design in this collection because of uh, budget purposes, but yeah. it is a grander message than anything I've ever designed for Rodney ever, or ever, ever designed in my entire life. Um, and I just want to promote this positive lifestyle of like looking towards the lighter side of things because yeah. that will help you ultimately attract more positivity and also get through the day. And uh, yeah, I, I, I account a lot of my success for just my mentality. I've had a very positive mentality my whole life and I've gotten through a lot of it because it's of that. It's a big thing, man. Like, it's the, only, it's, the, it's the thing that keeps you going, you know? Yeah. Like, and it's the thing that'll either bring you down or bring you up. It's like the way you're seeing things. And I I listened to this one song by Daniel Caesar called um, uh, "Death in Texas," and I think it's "Death in Texas." It might be another song, but one of his songs speaks about how it's funny how heaven and hell are the same. And I truly believe that, that heaven and hell are literally what you create in your mind. Mm -hmm. And maybe, like, for some people, as a religious aspect, like, it is something that you get after you die. Mm -hmm. But for me, heaven and hell is here. It's exactly what your mindset is. If you think very negatively about things, or even a little bit of negative about some situations, it will affect you, and your world will become negative. Mm -hmm. And people call that hell. If you create a positive environment for yourself, and you meet people who have a very positive outlook on life, and you share positive experiences and a positive mindset, you create your own heaven. Mm -hmm. And that is definitely what has happened with my whole life. I had a positive outlook, just as like a happy-go-lucky child, and it just happened to radiate and attract the same people, and I'm here being able to speak about all these positive things that have happened to me. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like I've had strength, I've suffered. Like yeah. heartache is like one of my big uh, inspirations in life, and yeah. it's from romantic relationships. Like I had a relationship that I was with uh, this girl for five years. It's a long time. Yeah, that's like, that's like marriage and that's kids. Like, yeah, that's like, like, and we actually talked about it, but just didn't work out and kind of flipped my world upside down and, and uh, you know you get out of it and you just keep looking thinking positive and, yeah. and things work out they yeah. really do you just have to be patient yeah. yeah so and there's that thing about like like would you still be the person you are today if like you didn't go through that strife you know like mm. no like no yeah I would be some stuck up kid like in a basement who plays MMOs all the time, which is nothing wrong with that. Yeah, just, I was able to suffer and experience, uh, you know, people mm -hmm. and relationships and, and putting yourself out there after that, it just is so empowering. Yeah. And uh, like, maybe that example was weird. Like, I don't, I don't really look, I don't look down on any lifestyle, but it's like, yeah. I just wouldn't be the same person to answer your question. I would be, I would probably be a shell of myself. Yes. Uh, I wouldn't be as conscious as I am. I wouldn't be as uh, wise as I am. Mm. Yeah, because the suffering—that's what. Yeah. If you get through the suffering, that's where all your yeah. wisdom comes yeah. from. And I think when like you talk about like uh, like the positivity is everything, and like how like you create your own heaven and hell. It's like like it's kind of also not to get off topic, but like it's like it's like this one though. <laughs> it's like bad stuff is gonna happen, you know? Like, it's like, there's no stopping it, you know? Like, you're gonna experience these emotions, but it's learning how to, I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> like my, one of my things is like, all L's are like lessons. Oh, all my L's are lessons. All my L's are lessons, so like, yeah. Yeah, so that's happening. No experience is a negative experience unless you make it negative. Unless you make it a negative experience, facts. It, it can be, you can be mad or sad, and those are just states. But like, once you look at it in retrospect with a clear, clear mind, you realize that it's, it's an experience at the end of the day. And how you take that experience and learn from it is what defines your character. And then, there's three things I always tell people. 
and I'm glad we're getting this on recording. Yes. I didn't know we would get to this, but mm -hmm. it's something I preach, and it's you go through an experience. So you have any experience, whether it's learning how to ride a bike, or falling down and scraping your knee, or getting your heart broken, or learning how to do like uh, learning a formula. You learn it, so now you know what it is. Like I, I hurt myself, and this is how it feels. But people stop there sometimes. They just learn, and then they stop. The next thing you have to do is you have to make sure you practice your wisdom. If you practice what you actually learn, then that is what defines you as a person. Yeah. Some people forget about that and they think that they learned it, but they didn't. They're not practicing it, so it doesn't matter if you learned it. That's just another page in your book. But rereading it and reflecting upon it and, and then reciting it and doing it yeah. is how you actually become this bigger person mm -hmm. in yourself, right? Yeah. yeah, and that's growth. Yeah. A lot of people stop at learning, and that's not growing. Yeah, I, don't mm. know. I feel like it's also. Um... It's also tempting because when you're, I find with myself when I'm reading those books or like, like learning about all these things, it's like, like I get hyped off learning them and I'm like, oh shit, like, like I know this now, like I'm set, but like, just knowing it isn't enough if I'm not, like doing something, like practicing, you know. Yeah. You gotta practice what you preach. Right? Mm. So, one, step one is. Step one is Learn. going through an experience. Yeah, step two is learning from it. Um, and step three is practicing that wisdom that you learn. And practicing it is the hardest part because um, everybody can learn and pretend like that they're all that they're better than mm -hmm. their past self. Mm -hmm. But unless they actually show it mm -hmm. or can speak about it and communicate it, mm -hmm. they have learned nothing. Mm -hmm. And I've, I'm at fault. Like, <laughs> shit, guy, I go through the same cycles in my relationships all the time. But like. You know, I, I can talk about it and communicate about it, and slowly I'm starting to understand it more and practice it more. A lot of it's patience. <laughs> Just patience with yourself that you will get it one day. Everybody wants things right now. And that's why social media is the way it is and all that kind of stuff. And it's fine, you know, you can plug in and plug out and get all the cool things that you want, but like at the end of the day, the journey in between all that is what's worth it. So whether you got it in three seconds or you got it in five years, you've got to focus on that journey. You can't focus on the end goal and just attaining it. Mm -hmm. yeah, man. I'm glad we got to that. I'm glad we yeah. got to that. I knew it was gonna get there. Yeah. These like, conversations are always like that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Um, how long have you been going? I think that's good. I feel like I'm gonna like fly and walk and it. It's like it's YouTube. You know? Um so I guess now we're caught up. We went we went back from nomadic in, nomadic infantry. Right? Yeah, nomadic infantry. All the way to now. Yeah. Within that short amount of time. I'm glad we did. I, I I a lot of stuff in there. I didn't even know. Like I get I get the chance to talk to you sometimes, but like not the opportunity to really like learn about those deep chapters in your life that I I, I didn't I didn't see. Before. I think a lot of people. Um, I. This is something I didn't realize until recently was like 10 years ago when I was like growing up with people in high school They knew everything about me because I was growing up with them Yeah But now that I'm in a whole different lifestyle now with new friends and new territory People actually don't know who I am or where I'm from Which yeah. is good mm. So I can define myself And the way that they see me now is how they define me And being able to speak about all of my experiences is, is not only uh, lethargic it, You know, it, it helps but it, it helps me communicate my story, which means that I understand what I actually went through. Yeah. I have a very bad memory, a very poor memory. Yeah. But the things I'm able to tell you guys is because I actually understood those things so well that they stuck. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's a very interesting thing to talk to new individuals or somebody who is genuinely interested about you, about things that you went through. And you have to relive them, and yeah. you have to then communicate them and be like, oh, yeah. that is something that happened to me. Yeah. All that is like, it literally is the past. I have not thought about it up until this moment. Yeah, yeah. Now that I'm able to communicate it, I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, I learned shit. something. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> and these things stuck. And these people that like inspired me stuck in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's just going to keep going. The, the craziest thing is like, I realized even doing this event or um, like, just working on stuff now, it's like I'm living in this moment that I'm gonna look back on later, you know? Like realizing you're in the moment, that's like another thing. Cause it's like, you're really trying to take everything in and learn it now too. Like learn from it now, it's like what am I learning at this moment? Yeah. Shit like that. 
learning in the moment is is uh, is amazing, and I think I well I can speak for myself. I, I do it I do it fairly well, and I know Ronnie would speak about this all the time. But I think we do pretty well in that territory. But uh, there are some things that you can only learn in retrospect. Yeah. Yeah. So don't discredit the fact that reflecting on something can also just be as strong as living in the moment. Yeah. But don't live in the past and don't live in the future. Yeah. Live here. And then in the future, just be like, oh, yeah, there's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's cool that that happened. Yeah. Oh, wait, there's something there that I didn't realize before because you're in a whole different perspective, a whole different mindset, right? So yeah. I'm very proud to be where I am today. And uh, I, I'll never discredit my past. Uh, and I'm very proud to be as old as I am. Like, with the amount of years that I've had in the industry, um, I've lived a lot more, I think, than a lot of other individuals in my life. Or a lot of my peers going up from Starbucks. Um, just, yeah. It's, it's, still, it's still early, man. You got... This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. This That's the craziest thing to, to think of. It's like, you've you lived this whole life. Journey, yeah. Multiple lives. Lives. And there's still more. This is just the beginning, and I can safely say that. I haven't even scratched the surface yet of my potential. Say that to see where that goes, man. I'm excited to see it. Maybe I'll be doing it in another, I'll be in another industry, I don't know. But yeah, who knows, man. Regardless. I'm, I'm, I'm creating, I'm a creator, and I need yeah. it from the get-go. Yeah. Alright, I guess uh, we'll call it a podcast there. Uh, thank you, Joel. This is dope. This is freaking sick. Is thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it yeah. so much. I'm so honored to be uh, a part of this project. And being able to speak my mind is amazing, and it's it's very rewarding to me. And uh, I know Roy, you and I have a great relationship, and you know we always have each other's backs. But I appreciate you too as well for being here and being bodies to listen to the story because you know I mean, God forbid if I'm not here tomorrow, I'm glad that somebody heard what I had to say. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's all fake. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a prank. That was a prank. All these people are fictitious. <laughs> no, these are all real people. With these are all rich stories that I've lived through and I've, it's part of my life. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate the support. Yeah. Uh, where could where could people find you? I'm sure they they could find you, but like just, oh, this just is for the just shameless for, plug. Yeah, the shameless, oh, yeah. shameless plug part. This is Joel Evangelista, and this is Hot Ones. <laughs> hot Ones, hot ones. <laughs> you pass. Go go. You have your minute. I got the camera's my 30 right seconds. There. I got a camera there, a camera there. You see what you gotta do. I got a movie coming out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've I always have big plans, and I I always talk a lot of shit about things I want to do because I'm so ambitious. But if there is something that you should know about me is I am constantly creating. So if you want to find me, uh, I'm at joel.rodney on Instagram. I have a website where I sell all my product called rodneyshop.com. Um, but I hope, I hope, and I pray that uh, I will be able to work with some friends soon and I will have projects where my name, my name will pop up synonymous with some of my favorite artists in the city. And uh, you'll be seeing some work sooner than later. Uh, Photography based and art based and wordplay based because those are things that I I know I want to communicate and I want to be in those industries and try and try them out. So we'll see some new projects come out by the end of the year, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, you could catch Joel at the Collective Mall pop up August 17th, 1510 Young Street, 12 p.m. to 9 p.m. Thank you, Joel. I'm throwing finger hearts. Finger hearts. Finger hearts. <laughs> in case you didn't know, I'm throwing finger hearts.